Green Mountain Chronicles was originally produced for radio by the Vermont Historical Society in the 1980s. We're re-releasing them today as retro podcasts. Please note that any resources the podcast recommends may be out of date. We recommend you check out our website, vermonthistory.org, for the most up-to-date information. Green Mountain Chronicles number 49, Town Bands. I started with an alto horn, mellophone. I played that for a number of years. I played bass drum. I have played, oh, I played piccolo for two years, and then I went to the baritone. So this is my 43rd year in the town band. 1946, and Mary Sanders Mitchell becomes the first woman member of the Morrisville Military Band. The band's self-proclaimed historian, Mitchell comes from a family of band enthusiasts. My brother was the director for 1932 to 1968, I believe. My father was one of the first members in 1895. Town bands are descended from the military bands and small brass and wind ensembles of the 18th and 19th centuries. As early as 1811, individuals in Stratford, Vermont, contributed money to help buy instruments and music that were loaned out to anyone who would play them. In exchange, the town's board of selectmen had authority to require performances by the band. Various New England bands claim to hold records of longevity for one reason or another. The Rutland, Vermont band is said to have the longest continuous existence as a town-supported band in the nation, while across the border, the Temple Band of Temple, New Hampshire, claims to be America's first town band. Once, it seemed almost every small New England town boasted a band. Their numbers have dwindled, but the open-air band concert remains a quintessential feature of small-town cultural life. In his poem, Band Night, the late Vermont poet Walter Hard Sr. captured the classic scene. It was band concert night. Around the village green, there were cars parked in a double line. In the center of the green, under bright lights, the band, the pride of the village, sat. Strings of colored lights stretched from the stand to the trees at the three corners. On the far side, the ladies' aide served ice cream, and Cy Henderson dispensed popcorn. In and out among the crowd, small boys chased each other, yelling as they ran. When the band finished a piece, there was a long, applauding blast from the automobile horns. Small boys were... There used to be a bandstand right down here where the mobile station is. We used to go up and get some popcorn, dance around the bandstand. We'd have a ball. We'd have the best time. Town bands have more competition for their weekly audiences now than when Addie Kelsey of Newport was growing up. But they still draw regular crowds. They congregate on the statehouse lawn and bring blankets and chairs and so on. Musician Hubert Brooks sells insurance, and for the past 15 years, he has also directed Montpelier's Capital City Band. Town bands are truly democratic institutions. Anybody can come. Just tell them where to sit, to bring a chair, bring a stand, and what time to be at the State House, and away we go. And the first uh, concert is a little loose, but the second gets better, and by the time we get to our tenth evening, we're in good shape. The Capital City Band can count on 50 to 80 members during the season. The Morrisville Military Band numbers about 25, including a blacksmith, teacher's aide, a few office workers, housewives, students, and a parts manager at a local garage. When Mary Mitchell's brother, Willard Sanders, led the band, members rehearsed in a room over the old fire station, which he had dubbed Sympathy Hall. Sanders retired as director in 1968, and the band faced a possible lapse 
when no one stepped forward to take up the baton. I mean, I just was not going to see the thing die. I just couldn't do that. A couple of us would go down every week and get some music <laughs> in the band room and bring it up, and we'd play it. We'd let the drums do a roll-off, <laughs> and away we'd go. And this man from Enosburg or St. Albans, he directed the Enosburg band. He came over. He said, I don't believe this. He said, I hope none of my band members come over and see you. He said, they'll fire me. <laughs> the artistic standards of the small-town band may not rival those of a high-priced concert orchestra, but on a clear evening for only the price of your time, you can park your car, unfold a lawn chair, or spread out a blanket, share space around a patch of green, and enter into a summer ritual. That's why I'm still playing in the band, because I love it. As long as I can toot, I'm going <laughs> to... Thanks for listening. This podcast was remastered by me, Amanda Gustin, and released by the Vermont Historical Society. If you've enjoyed it, please subscribe to get future episodes and rate and review it. Please also check out our website, vermonthistory.org, where you can find background information on these episodes, as well as other ways you can learn about Vermont history from home. The Vermont Historical Society relies on support from generous donors to preserve and share Vermont's stories. During these uncertain times, your support is needed now more than ever. Please consider donating today at vermonthistory.org slash donate.